0: Hey, welcome to the Street Shots Photography Podcast from Switch to Manual. I'm Antonio, and this is episode 84 for end of October 2018. Thanks for joining, and thanks for subscribing, and thanks for all the feedback from all the previous shows. And thank you, thank you, thank you. It's so great to uh, have this opportunity to do this show and have people really enjoy it. And so I just wanted to make sure I said that uh, all you guys... Uh, I know you can choose different podcasts, and yet you choose mine <laughs> to listen to, and I really appreciate that. And I appreciate you guys spreading the word, getting me uh, more listeners. So uh, anything you can do to do that, uh, tell your friends, if you like, uh, if they're into photography, to turn turn into the show. Uh, I really appreciate that. But, you know, this is the end of October, and as, as usual, for the past couple of years, I've been going to the – Photo Plus Expo in New York City at the Javits Center, and uh, usually I've, the past couple of years, I've done some interviews with people on the floor, and uh, I do have one interview It's going to come up a little later in the show, and uh, I'll, I'll get into that in a minute. And I do have some impressions from the show floor, which I will roll into in a in a minute or two, but I just wanted to give you just sort of an overall uh, for me, what uh, a show like that is about. And I, I go to the show every year. I've been going since college, which is a long time. And uh, i certainly uh, seen the show change a lot over the years. And uh, this is no exception this year. It's, it's a slightly different show as well. And I always use it sort of as an opportunity to get myself sort of boosted, uh, you know, in, in my photography morale for the fall and the winter and hopefully into the spring. Uh, you know, uh, just like when we go to school and we get you, the, the school year always starts in September. I always kind of feel the photography year starts in September and October for me. And I just get a good boost from it. So even though I, I, I tend to just walk the floor and, you know, it's mostly an equipment and uh, software, you know, uh, gadget kind of show. There is a whole bunch of seminars. I didn't go to any of the seminars this year, uh, and uh, I will uh, talk about that during my my on my show floor uh, talk. And uh, but I, you know, I got a chance to bump into a few people uh, who are friends, and actually ran into a friend of the show, Brian Manier, who I met on Shuttertime Time with Sid and Mac. And uh, he was working one of the booths, and uh, we ended up chatting for a little while. And uh, we've been on, you know, uh, Shutter Time together for a, a few episodes and we're, we're together on social media and it was really great to meet him and in the person and the flash and it's really kind of reminds me of like how you start to create friendships on social media and then when you meet the person in, in you know in the meat space as a as word I mean meat as in you know beef uh, the, you know that's a joke meat space but anyway Uh, you know, you've already got a a, a little bit of a heads up on the person. You've you've talked to them on social media and sometimes it's really great to meet them in person and and sort of solidify that like new friendship. So it was great to meet Brian. We we spoke for a little while. And actually he uh, eventually brought me to one of the booths to uh, see a a new gadget that was coming out. And I ended up uh, doing a little interview with the uh, woman who was uh, working the booth there. And so, like I said, I'll play that a little bit later. But again, it was really great to see everybody... Uh, at the show. Great to meet Brian. And, you know, you just walk around and you see everybody carrying cameras. And uh, I was carrying a camera, too. And, you know, there's that part of me that says, why are everybody carrying cameras at photo shows? <laughs> because, like, if you're were if you were going for a cooking show, would you bring your ladles with you? But uh, I've sort of changed a little bit in that kind of idea. I think people like to uh, A, they like to show off the cameras that they have, so that's kind of fun. But I think it's sort of a um, you know, everybody does it in sort of solidarity to, you uh, know each other that we're all photographers and you know people like to take pictures of the equipment and the things they want to see and they don't want to use their phones and but I think it's also just like you know people are coming to New York for the first time and they want to come and bring their cameras and take pictures and I think it's just a you know it's a way to show everybody that we're all in the sort of the same boat together we're all trying to do the same thing so you know I've changed how I felt about that and you know <laughs> sort of less judgmental about it that's just me but uh you know, bring your cameras. Everybody shows off. You want to see it. Maybe you want to see new cameras compared to the old cameras that you have. And uh, it's fine. It's a photo show. Everybody's there to have a great time. So uh, I want to get uh, right into just, uh, I I didn't uh, interview uh, a lot of, I only interviewed one company and I didn't interview anybody on the floor. Uh, I kind of went in with the sort of an intention, but, you know, after I walked around for a day and I was not quite seeing the, the vibe, I didn't see a lot of the new, um, uh, you know, innovators and small companies, there, were, there wasn't a lot of them. And those are usually the companies that I like to bring to your guys, to to your attention, because everybody knows the big camera manufacturers. I'm not going to those booths to talk to anybody there. But uh, I wanted to find a lot of small ones. And there was very few, if any, there. I mean, uh, the one I interviewed is actually a new company, but they've been around for a little for a little while, for a year or two. Um, but they had their booth there, but there wasn't a lot of the smaller things. And I think part of that is because the show is so expensive for innovators to come there and they have to spend a lot of money in the booth. And if they're trying to really put a business together with a new product, uh, you know, actually going to a trade show is probably the, you know, probably one of the worst places where they could spend their money, unless they had some sort of deal on a, on a big booth and, you know, they were working with other people. But, um, there, there, there's not a good incentive to go to these shows for the smaller companies. In fact, I think a lot of them have moved to Kickstarter and Indiegogo and any of the other um, uh, innovation starting sites uh, these days. So, uh, you know, I was a little disappointed in that because I love finding these guys and finding their new things that, you know, we can talk about. And, uh, and then there was a few people there who I've already interviewed, so I decided not to. Lensbaby and Palette were there, and you know, they were showing off the same stuff. And so... I do not want to rehash that. And, you know, this is the software. There's a new uh, uh, Luminar that's coming out and, and uh, on one processing and a few other programs. And, you know, you can find plenty of places to to uh, to to read about that. So, again, it wasn't just like, you know, in a show floor uh, and actually as a preface to this, the audio that I've captured uh, for some reason was just not great. So I've, I've been trying to sweeten it up a little bit so that you can hear what people are talking about. But you're going to have to forgive me for the, the sort of moderate audio quality. I was hoping to get it better, and uh, it just it just didn't work out. So forgive me for that. You'll you'll be able to understand everything they say. It's just you're going to hear a lot of noise, and so if you're in a loud place listening on headphones, you might need to find someplace a little bit more quiet to listen to. So forgive me for that. So here we go. Hey, this is Antonio speaking to you from the floor of... Photo Plus Expo in New York City at the Javits Center in October, late October 2018. And, you know, I've, I've come to the show uh, ever since I've been in college. I realize I must be coming to the show 30 years plus, you know. And, um, I always get a kick out of coming to the show. It, it It's, you know, a place where people are gathering, you know, geeking out and photography gear, looking for all new sorts of stuff to get them inspired for the next coming year. You know, it's, uh, it's always a great experience. Of course, mostly it's a, it's a equipment fest. Uh, when I first started coming here, there was, where well, the Java Center is a very large convention center in New York City. And I remember when I first started coming here, the show was much larger than it was because they used to have a whole uh, section devoted to printing and laboratories and and just a lot of uh, darkroom equipment. And so they need a lot more space. And and over the years, the the show obviously has shrunk given uh, the influx of digital and how things have changed. Uh, Last year, uh, when I was here, the show was actually kind of thin. I, I recognize that there was a lot fewer people showing up. This year, I'm looking at it, and it, even though it's a smaller show than it has been in the past, meaning that there's a lot fewer vendors, there seems to be a pretty good turnout of people this year. I'm actually kind of surprised. I wonder if it's all this new gear that all the camera manufacturers are coming out with, or who knows? Maybe it's just every other few years, you get a everybody decides they're going to come. They're not going to come every year. There's no reason to come every year. This place also has a a whole learning track uh, attached to it. There's seminars and uh, demonstrations and photo walks and whatnot. So there's a whole thing that's going on outside the uh, show floor. And uh, I'm sure a lot of people come here for that. I, I used to come and take the seminars, but I don't anymore. They're a little pricey. And I found that I don't seem to gain as much learning from them as I used to. And certainly, uh, as time goes on, my uh, subject matter has become more niche, what I'm more interested in. And I think uh, that's kept me away from the seminars, especially because they get, they get kind of pricey. I think they're $100 per session this time. And you know, I used to come and they were like $75 a session. And I might take three. And that seemed to be at a reasonable price for me to pay, and I know that prices are going up, and they have to pay the speakers more. But $100 a session is a little bit much for me, especially because I think I'm just not I'm not in that part of my career where I need to really take a lot of seminars. And uh, you know, I also wonder if, if uh, actually the attendance in the seminars are low because everybody seems to be learning stuff from YouTube and online uh, courses like Linda and uh, other other sites like that. So I just don't know. I'm not uh, not going to the seminars today, so I don't know how crowded they are. But there's always seminars. Or there's always been seminars. It's a great place to learn if you're really wanting to grab a quick bite about uh, you know, some subject matter or technique that you're trying to learn. But uh, a lot of the floor uh, booths have seminars that go on in them. Like standing in front of the Canon booth right now, and they have a little panel talk going on. Uh, I'm not sure who it, who it is, but you know you can get a lot of information from uh, just walking around the booths. I was just before at the Fujifilm booth, and uh, when I first got here today, this, this is the second day that I've been here, and a uh, photographer who I really admire, a guy named Ruddy Roy, who's a photographer, I believe he lives in Brooklyn, a Jamaican guy who lives in Brooklyn, fantastic photographer, and he was showing his work. You know he was uh, using the... Uh, he was at the Fuji booth, so I believe a lot of the pictures that he was showing were things that were shot with the new Fuji medium format camera. And But he wasn't really showing the pictures and talking about the camera. Enough. He was really talking about his style of photography and his philosophy. And that was a that was a really good experience. And uh, that's, that's the kind of thing I'd like to come to the show for, to uh, hear other photographers talk about their experiences. Yeah, they used the gear for, you know... Um, Showing the pictures, they use the gear that the, at the booth, you know, they're, they're you know, Fuji X photographers or Canon ambassadors, and that's and, and fine, because we all have to have gear. and uh, But I do like when a photographer is spending some time telling us about the behind the thinking behind their pictures and their motivations and, and whatnot. So occasionally you get a photographer in a booth who will be talking about their work, and that is a lot of fun. So. But I've been walking around, my, my main impression with this show is is obviously it's more gear related this year and there's a lot of new cameras from the major manufacturer of Sony and Nikon and Canon and Fuji of course, and uh, Olympus as well. I believe there's a new Olympus camera out there. And I, I, you know I love checking that stuff out. I don't have any money to buy any new cameras. Although uh, I was kind of jonesing on the new Fuji medium format, it looks like a a camera that uh, maybe Herman Munster might hold. It's it's a huge camera. It's not not huge huge, but it's big. It's a significant camera, but it's you know it's a medium format camera, so it's going to be a big camera, and it just felt really good in my hands, and uh, I couldn't really look at the quality of the pictures other than what was being shown on the behind the screen on the LCD. But I had a really good feeling about the shots, and I was able to zoom up on them, and you know, of course, it's shots of the show floor, but there was something about that camera that just felt good, felt solid, um, and you know, so that's the nice thing about coming to shows like this, if you're looking to buy a camera or something like that, and you uh, want to see how it feels it's always good to come to some place like this like a show or even uh you know a brick and mortar store we can actually feel the camera and how it's going to sit in your hands because you don't know that until you buy it if you if you get it from you know if you online order the camera you won't really hold it until you get it and you have to open it up and then if you don't like it you know you got to deal with either sending it back or or just living with it but, uh, you know, a photo show like this, all the manufacturers are here and they let you touch and feel, play with the new cameras and see how everything, you know, sits in your hand. And that's, that's really an important part of owning gear. It's like, how is it going to work with the way you feel uh, a piece of gear should be sitting in your hands? And how will it sit on your shoulders? And is it the right weight? And the menus, are, the menus make sense. So very good place to come for that. So uh, of course I was playing with that Fuji medium format camera and it felt really nice in my hands. It just had a I could I could see working with that camera. It would be really interesting to do street shots with a camera that large, <laughs> medium format. But I would be tempted to do that. I, I would very much see putting that around my neck and walking down the streets and uh, taking shots of people. Uh, it's just uh, you know, I don't know. It really felt well. I think Fuji's doing a good job with with the feels of the cameras. I also got a chance to look at uh, Olympus Pen camera, which is a Micro Four Thirds kind of retro street shooting kind of camera as well. It's not a brand new camera, they've had it for a while. But, uh, you know, I never really sat, you know, held it in my hand and played with it for a little while. And uh, I was just passing by the booth and looking at it. And the guy asked me if I wanted to look at it. And so I stopped and talked to the guy for a little while, the guy behind the uh, counter. His name was Brian, I believe. And uh, he was telling me, we got into a little discussion about you know making photography fun again. And I thought that was an important thing to talk about, like how sometimes the gear that you use can help you uh, can help motivate you uh, and pull you outside and, and do things that maybe you didn't do before you know so I was looking at this Olympus Pen it's very much in the style of a retro camera silver it looks like a camera from the 50s or 60s in a way uh, not unlike the uh, x100 camera that I have from Fuji you know it's got that certain old retro style which I like you know I grew up in that Time period when a lot of people around me were walking around with cameras like that, and it's one of those things that, as a kid, I was jonesed for. and Now, I, I get to I get to get the same kind of looking camera, <laughs> obviously a different, you know, it's not a film camera, you know, and it's not a Leica or anything like that, but it, it, it harkens back to those times. And so, uh, the guy at the Olympus booth—he looked like he was about my age, and so we were talking about some of the things that we like, and uh, he was he was showing me some of the tricks and uh, uh, features of the Olympus pen. and I mean, it's not uncommon to have, you know, multiple manufacturer's cameras in your bag. And, uh, I, I mean, I was drawn to the look of the camera, and it actually felt good in my hand. Uh, there was a little bit of a learning curve trying to figure out the menus while I was just standing there. But, of course, I was just standing there. You know, I had five minutes with the camera. and uh, But I could figure things out. And... Again, I wasn't able to see the full quality of the pictures because I'm looking at the back of the screen so they're just the demo pictures from what I'm taking on the floor. But it, it I don't know. It felt good in my hand. I could see I could see having that as a as another street shooting camera walking around with. Um, and you know, the technical part of it is like, you know, it's not an APS C sensor, it's a smaller sensor, micro four thirds, but you know, the that is a pretty well established system, and so you know, if I ever got that, I could just you know, buy different lenses for it and just have that. And uh, depending on how I feel, go out and take pictures of my Fuji or go take pictures with the Olympus. I don't know. Uh, again, and I don't have a thousand dollars burning in my pocket to uh, go and buy a new camera, and there's no reason to buy a new camera. I'm pretty, pretty set with the gear that I've got, so you know it would be kind of gratuitous but I'm, um, you know maybe i'll save some of my pennies someday <laughs> and, and, and do that but if i really needed to if i really wanted to invest in a new system or something that would actually make some sort of difference i think this uh fuji medium format camera would probably be the one i would aim for and start really uh saving rolling my pennies for that because that that is a significantly priced camera although it's very cheap for a medium my camera. It's about uh, forty. Well $4,000 without a lens and then I think you add another uh, depending on what kind of lens you want to get with it, it, it the price goes up from there. So you'd have to buy it with a lens, obviously. So it's a chunk of change and uh, I'm not working enough as a photographer to justify that kind of cost uh, because I would just not be doing anything with it other than shooting street photography. But it's definitely on my top of my list of things I'd like to to get. Also, I got a chance to check out uh, with a little bit of time uh, the new Nikon mirrorless cameras, and uh, I'm also a Nikon guy, as you may know, and you know, again, it's an expensive camera, and it's not something I need to think about getting, it it doesn't quite add any advantage to me, but it was a pretty nice camera. I I, uh, see that uh, Nikon did a very good job at um, designing this thing, fits in the hand well. It's a little heavy, I mean, it's not anything like, you know, uh, a Fuji camera or an Olympus camera that I was playing with. It feels like a, you know, a camera camera. Uh, but compared to other Nikons, it's actually a lot uh, lighter. And it's a full frame camera, so it's a, it's gotta be a little bit bigger than, than other cameras just because of the size of the sensor. So that makes sense. It's not, uh, you know, that, that's not a big deal. But uh, one of the things I noticed is that Nikon kept uh, the menu system that I thought worked so well. So they're not—if uh, you're going to, you know, go from uh, Nikon uh, regular DSLR to a Nikon mirrorless, you your learning curve isn't going to be too steep. So I like that. I like that Nikon is keeping their, uh, um, you know, their menu system the same. So you just don't have to spend time uh, searching for stuff but uh, some of the, I don't know, there is a uh, LCD viewfinder. There's no optical viewfinder on it. It was a very, very good viewfinder. I could uh, see, in fact, it almost looked better than an optical viewfinder. So uh, it was a really, really nice camera. It's not something, again, on my list, um, but, and it's it's not a cheap camera. There's two models out, and they're both in the uh, $2,000 plus range, so again, uh, a chunk of change you know not my uh, not my thing but very nice and I only did spend about a couple of minutes looking at Canon's new uh, medium format uh, sorry not medium format their their mirrorless camera their new one and uh, it looked kind of remind me of the Nikon a little bit or vice versa it's, they, they kind of had a lot of similarities but I didn't spend too much time with it i um, not a very big Canon guy and uh, I was just looking at it to see how it uh, sat in my hand but uh, no, no observations about that camera uh, at all, I'm just not, not really into it um, but the Nikon, you know, Nikon could always be a possibility mainly because I have a lot of Nikon lenses already and uh, they have an adapter for that so it wouldn't be such a bad thing to get but again uh, no need for it, so we're not going to buy it, or <laughs> not going to even think about it for the moment. So uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a kind of gear-heavy show, it's nice to look at stuff. I really haven't found anything innovative or small manufacturers that I wanted to interview. Now I'm only here, this is Saturday, sorry, this is Friday, uh, the second day that I'm here. So I'm not, uh, going to be wandering around one more day and see what happens. But uh, I'm running into a few people I know. Uh, I'm lo- actually looking around for more friends and see uh, who pops up. Uh, that's one of the fun things about coming to an expo like this: is that you get to see a lot of people that you know. So, uh, but I'm, like I said, I'm not finding uh, a lot of new innovative small manufacturers with like neat gadgets that I would really like to highlight to you guys in uh, in sort of an interview. It's just not uh, not seeing it yet. Although I'll be coming here one more day tomorrow and maybe. Maybe something will uh, perk up. I'll be walking around with uh, my friend, and uh, he might help me see things in a different way. <laughs> so we'll see. But um, I don't know. It looks like just a typical show. Maybe it's like every couple of few years it gets more exciting because uh, people start coming up with new inventions. Also, I was beginning to wonder if people are less likely to spend all the money on a uh, booth at a show like this to show off some new invention when you know, I think a lot of people are moving to Kickstarter and in, in Indiegogo to uh, do all these little photo inventions and stuff. So i, I was just you know putting that out there. I'm wondering about that whether or not uh, we'll be seeing less of the uh, innovative new people at shows like this where their cost per booth is uh, pretty high. So anyway, um, well, look, I'm gonna I'm gonna sign off for now. This is uh, for Saturday. I might. Uh, Might pop in with an interview, maybe, we'll see. Um, But I just thought I'd give you a little account from the show floor. It's a a nice place. (laughs) If you get to come to New York, excuse me, if you get to come to New York in the fall, it's great to come to uh, Photo Expo. And uh, the whole west side of New York is changing. They're building new buildings and there's a High Line. And having lived here all my life and watching this change over time, it's pretty exciting to see what's going on and uh, and really how the neighborhood is changing. So it, it's not just coming to the Photo Expo. It's really you know coming to New York. I don't come into the city that often. I'm in Brooklyn, but I don't come into the city that much, and it's kind of fun to have an excuse to come here. So anyway, that's it for now on uh, Friday, day two of uh, Photo Plus Expo in New York City. And I'm going to sign off, and uh, I will talk to you later. All right, so that's how I felt on the second day of the show, uh, walking around. And so let's, uh, before we get into the the um, uh, interview with uh, the next, uh, with the company that I talked to, that Brian introduced me to, uh, I'll give you a quick uh, rundown of the company. The place is called Gnarbox, uh, G-N-A-R-box. And the basic principle of the hardware that they were showing, which is really cool, and uh, I was uh, I was, You know, it's not exactly the kind of thing that I might use, but I was looking at it and thinking, you know what? I actually might use this kind of thing. So picture a, a small, like what looks like a USB hard drive. And this is a, a device that's meant to capture your pictures while you're on the go. So if you want to back up uh, your card or your, your camera while you're on the road and you don't want to bring your laptop with you, this device does it. But where it, where it differs in other devices that are similar... Is that this one actually lets you edit from it? It's it, in, in some way it's almost like a uh, a network storage device um, that you can use in the road. And it uses an SSD. It's uh, waterproof. It's got a sm- small display on it, and it actually pops up and shows up in like mobile Lightroom as a place that you can edit from. So you you know you can store your images on there. You can take them off your camera from your card, put them onto this uh, nar box, and then from an iPad or a uh, an iPhone, and I'm not sure if they've got Android, but uh, you'll have to look on the website. But they, had, they were showing off iPhones that you can actually edit from the box. You can actually edit raw, right? And so it connects via Wi-Fi, and you can uh, actually edit the images on your phone with actually without having to transfer them to this. So there's and there's a whole bunch of other bells and whistles on this thing, and it's actually not priced too badly. Uh, there's uh, I think the minimum. Uh, to get in as a pre-order is, is four hundred dollars from B and H, and for two hundred and fifty-six gig device. Now, again, you know, uh, you listen to the show not necessarily to hear hardware, and I don't like to talk about hardware too much. You know, I like to talk about the the thing about photography, but well, hardware lets us do this thing called photography, and sometimes we ne- really need to find out these these gadgets to you know sort of help us and move in the directions we want to, and so. When I was looking at this thing and Brian was talking to me, uh, to introducing me to the to the company and I was thinking like, I, you know, I work in the city and I got computers and like, do I really need this kind of thing? And then but you've been paying attention to me over the time and you know that I'm moving to a mobile workflow. I'm doing more of my processing on my iPhone or my iPad, more likely my iPhone these days because it's got a better screen. And I I am thinking like, you know, as I'm trying to move away from the desktop, and it's not that I don't like the desktop, I've just been doing it for so long, and I, I still use my desktop for a few things, uh, and if I have to actually get into further in a picture, of course, I'm going to use Photoshop or Lightroom on a computer so I can get a better, a little bit more control over the picture, but generally the stuff that you see from me the, on Instagram these days is, is, is pretty much, Instagram and Flickr is pretty much done on my iPhone, so, you know, I'm thinking like if I want to move to a, a, a next generation processing system, this this piece of hardware actually could help me and, uh, you know, to move away from my desk. I don't like sitting here. I work at my desk all day doing, you know, one of my jobs and it's like, you know, I don't want to sit here all the time. And so a device like this might actually, you know, if I look at it in a certain way, it might actually allow me to do uh, things that um, I haven't been able to do before. So I'm trying to look at it from a different point of view. And, and my idea is to, um, you know, help me, uh, Move my workflow in such a way that it doesn't become an impediment, and also doesn't become a job because I'm not getting paid for this anymore. I'm just sort of doing this on my own, so so I'm looking at it from a different point of view now. So when you when you um, when you listen to this, you know, uh, think about you know uh, this one product, you know, think of it as a um, you know maybe sort of a gateway to uh, a new way of thinking and processing, uh, and some of you might actually you know enjoy thinking about. Um, uh, changing how you do your your workflow. I mean, people are set in their ways, right? And they always want to change. And, and and change for the sake of change is no good. But um, things like this device, you know, is is uh, you know it helps you uh, really um, decide to like if you want to change the way you're doing things because it's not working for you. Or if you want to change because you want to be a little bit free. That's the kind of thing I, I I'm thinking about. So anyway, here's uh, me and uh, Kat from Narbox uh, talking about their new product, and so I hope you enjoyed. Again, forgive the audio; it's a little bit thin. Uh, her voice was a little low, but uh, you'll get the gist of it. And I had a really good time talking to her. So here, here that is. This is Antonio. I'm at the uh, Narbox booth at the Photo Expo, and I'm talking to.
1: Uh, I'm Kat Greenbaum, community manager at
0: Narbox. Hey, and Kat decided to uh, allow me to uh, taper talking about this uh, really interesting piece of gear that Brian just brought me over to. Brian Manier showed me, and uh, he said it would be really interesting. But I want to have uh, Kat tell the story a little bit about what this uh, what this gear is about. So, Kat, tell us, tell me about the uh, tell me about the Narbox.
1: All right, so we're here today with a first look of Narbox Two Point Zero, the second generation of the Narbox product, uh, and the first look that we have, you know, brought it out in public. Uh, Narbox is a rugged backup device for content creators, professional, you know, photographers and videographers who want to travel without a laptop. Um, and in the last year, there's sort of been this like explosion of. Uh, desire from from photographers and videographers to not have to carry a laptop with you know the progress that we've made in terms of mobile technology, tablets, you know, phones. Even um, and we really saw this need for like you know why why would you carry a very expensive and a heavy piece of equipment? To do this one thing, backup, which is you know really important part of a lot of people's workflows. So we built Narbox. We're showing off uh, the One Touch backup experience, as well as the Safekeep app, which is the first of three new apps that we've built. Um, the ecosystem apps sort of have dedicated workspaces for different types of creators. So uh, Safekeep is your file organization and management app. Uh, we're also working on building Selects, which is a dedicated workspace for photographers, which will allow you to, um, you know, start tagging your photos with star ratings and metadata tagging that will transfer over into professional, uh, you know, editing Uh, desktop programs like Lightroom, uh, Capture One, or Photo Mechanic, Uh, and then we also have uh, Sequence, which is a uh, video app. We'll let you start building bins and building a rough timeline that you can then uh, export as an XML project, uh, open it up in Premiere and and continue working on it. So we're really trying to help professionals bridge that, that in-the-field workflow back home to their studio and their computer so that they can make sort of meaningful steps without having to have that laptop.
0: Okay, so offline, you were just giving me a little bit of the story about how you guys started. Could you just uh, tell me? Yeah, the Kickstarter stuff. Because yeah. that's really interesting. I always like when a... Uh, a company comes out through that and becomes successful. So, just give me a little bit of the, that story. Yeah,
1: totally. So, we started off in 2015 uh, with a Kickstarter for Narbox 1.0. Um, got that out the door last year, and then uh, this April we had a Kickstarter for Narbox 2.0. Um, you know, it's important for us to know before we start, you know, producing, you know, going into production for hardware is quite a process. So, we wanted to make sure that there was a, a desire for this product, uh, we were able to raise $900,000 on Kickstarter, which was awesome validation for uh, Narbox 2.0, um, and now we are pre-ordering on B&H and coming out Q1 of 2019,
0: so. Was that a little scary, getting like that much uh, um, attention on Kickstarter, that many, like, you know, those, like those commercials and it's like, you open your shingle and all of a sudden the business starts rolling in, was that kind of a, a scary thing or was it something you expected or?
1: We'd hoped that it would happen. Um, you know, we were, we were really methodical in terms of building our campaign and really targeting specific sort of, like, kind of creator. And we, we really wanted to make that, that transition from Narbox 1.0, which was really for casual users, um, you know, GoPro drone folks, to show people that we understood the professional workflow, that we wanted to help them you know, make them a more reliable creator, lighten their load, and like, allow them to make these meaningful workflow steps. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it was was super exciting. We have a really great online community, shout out Narbox Insiders, um, which I I manage, so it's a group of about 2,000 people that are just super hyped on Narbox, and they helped us actually hit our initial Kickstarter goal in the first 40 minutes, almost. Yeah, it was bananas, It's like 75K, in 40 minutes.
0: <laughs> and we must have been sitting and watching it going like, wow.
1: Yeah, we were all sitting in the conference room in the office just like watching the numbers go up going, oh my God, it was midnight. And we're not even like one in the morning, I guess, at that point and just kind of going, oh, my God, okay, like, it's happening, this is awesome. And it's it was really great validation because we, we spent a lot of time talking to people and doing the research, asking people what they needed for their specific workflows and trying to understand, like, what kind of photographer, what kind of videographer needs what kind of tools and, like, making sure that we were creating experiences that were, um, you know, universal enough to be accessible to a, a number of different kinds of people but not so wide that you sort of, like, uh, you know, it's jack of all trades, master of none, um, which I think we, we hit a little bit with 1.0, where we're trying to do so many different things with our, our We're not calling it the NARBOX classic app, file backup, and you know, editing photos and videos, etc. And we really just wanted to say, okay, step back. We need these really specific spaces for these specific things, and that's sort of what we've built. Right, so this
0: this piece of hardware that you got in front of me, like if who are you going to recommend this? Uh, too, specifically. Like, it's not for every kind of photographer, right? But uh, it's going to appeal to a certain... Like, photographers doing a certain kind of work, like being in the field and... Yeah.
1: I mean, I I definitely wouldn't recommend it to somebody who's... Well, not definitely wouldn't, because I actually talked to somebody today who shoots in the studio and is like, I'm sick of carrying my laptop to the studio because I don't have a set studio. So, you know, you can use it in the studio, but there are places where you don't want to bring a laptop, and this is definitely... The tool to like allow you to, to leave the laptop behind um, you know obviously it's very rugged it's waterproofed up to a meter IP67 rated so anywhere that would fit that description you really don't want a laptop but I think that that for so many people the laptop is becoming less and less necessary especially for these these processes of like uh, just the backing up so you
0: know,
1: for anybody I would really say that that cares about making sure that their files are safe, wants that redundancy, like wants that reliability, needs it definitely for for their professional credibility. Like if you lose a client's files, it's not a good look. So you know, you want to make sure that it's safe and it's backed up multiple places. So, you know, having the ability to, like, back up to the internal hard drive on the Narbox, but then also have an external hard drive. We really like the little light SSDs plugged in and, and making a redundant backup there, too, so that, like, all right, you, you know, maybe the hard drive the external hard drive fails, but you've got it on the NAR box. Like, maybe your card dies, but you've got it in two places. Or, you know, just sort of making sure anybody that really cares about about having their content saved. Can you give me, a, like, a,
0: a quick, like, description of the workflow that you would use with this? Just, like, how, what would be the, like, step one to step two to step three?
1: Sure. So, what's kind of nice is that there's a couple of different workflows depending on what you need. But like a, a, a photography workflow, for example, would be um, you know you're on set and you just need to back up your card somewhere safe. On set being you know on location in the field, etc. Um, just throwing your card into the SD slot or connecting with a USB-C card reader, doing the one step backup to the internal SSD on the NAR box. Uh, you know, then on your ride home, uh, popping open our selects app and starting to, to really quickly call through your RAW files. Um, it's going to be really fast because we're utilizing the um, embedded JPEG in RAW, so you're not going to have to wait for that RAW to decode. And you can just rip through files, doing your star ratings. Maybe tagging with some metadata, and by the time you get home, you've done a, a large chunk of your selects process so that when you sit down at your computer, whether it's the next day or that night, if you're on a tight turnaround, um, you know you, you already know what you want to edit, and you can start doing that process right away.
0: Cool. So uh, this is going to be available when?
1: Uh, first quarter 2019.
0: And can you give me a rundown on the cost? How much is it going to cost?
1: So we've got three sizes. You have a 256 gigabyte, a 512 gigabyte, and one terabyte. And the uh, 256 will be $499, 599 for the 512, and $899 for the terabyte. Uh, the pre-order is exclusive on BNH till the end of the year, and you get $100 off if you do the pre-order. Which I'm
0: probably going <laughs> to do because yeah, it is a good deal. And um, you know, you're appealing to like someone like me who's gone to more of a mobile workflow because, like I said. Or I don't want to sit in front of a computer anymore. I mean, I'm having a really hard time sitting in front of a laptop in general. And so the idea is, like, I've moved mostly to a, you know, working on my iPad, working on my iPhone, and this is a kind of device that sort of uh, helps augment that, it's, you know. It would keep me from having to fill up my, my phone with pictures that I like to edit. And, um, I, I could see, like, what further in the future, what do you see, like, happening with mobile workflows uh, with your device?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that, like, that's the direction that we're going. More and more people, even between when we were here last year and and when we're here this year, are looking for a solution to do that because they're realizing, you know, like, having an iPad Pro and an Xbox 2.0 is, like, match made in heaven. You have so much processing power, like, great screen size, great color on the screens. Like, it's, there's just no... At a certain point, and especially with things like you know Adobe coming out with full Photoshop for uh, iPad, like I think that's the direction that the big the big guys are going, and it's a direction we wholeheartedly believe in, and, and you know we we want to partner. Like we have our direct integration with Lightroom Mobile already um, that we're showing off here. Actually, you know we built it with the Adobe team, and it allows you to use Lightroom Mobile on your iOS device. Not having to transfer those files onto onto your tablet or your phone, they all still live on the Narbox. But like you get that ability of editing with software that you know and love. If you love Adobe, some people don't. I know, but you know, like working with companies like Adobe to build these integrations. For instance, we also have a, an integration with Narbox 1.0 for Luma Fusion, which is like a full timeline editor for iPad. Um, and you know, you can do all of your are like transpoding and processing of the video on the NARBOX because it's got that processing ability and then using the tools that LumaFusion's built have like that full timeline workflow you know some people I think are still going to say I want to start stuff in the field I don't want to necessarily fully fully finish my projects until I get home to a computer but I I think there's going to be plenty of people and I've already seen them and we've met them here and we've met them you know the internet, et cetera. Um, who don't want to have to use a computer at all. You're one of them. You're like past.
0: You know, you just think about like when you're in uh, the field yeah, or you're yeah, just yeah. finishing something, you got the idea right away. Right. And instead of having to wait, you know, exactly. that long period of time, you can actually sit there in the coffee shop or the cab and stuff like that. And you just get something started. Plane, train,
1: automobiles? <laughs> Plane trains or automobiles.
0: So the last question is uh, tell me the origin of the name.
1: Oh that's an interesting one. Um, Narbox was started by Tim Feast and Will Africano, who are two very gnarly skiers, and they uh, they really wanted to edit ski videos in the car on the way home from the mountain. And it actually started with the narcissistic, which was a spelled with a G N A R, obviously, um, a hashtag on Instagram. Um, you know, they were out in Mammoth skiing and, and making videos, and that's sort of the idea for editing on a laptop in the car sucks. We ha- we could build something better. Let's build it. So.
0: So that's what we got in our box. We
1: have an our box.
0: Well, thanks for talking to me, Kat. I really appreciate it. And uh, I really wish you guys uh, all the luck with your new gear. I mean, it's great to see that you've got version two here. And uh, I, I really like the piece of hardware. It looks really rugged. Uh, it's small. It's about the size of my I mean, in terms of the dimensions, it's a little, I mean, it's thick, but it's about the size of my iPhone Max. So.
1: Thank you. It's been really fun. Yeah, I
0: appreciate it. I appreciate the time. And it wasn't so bad talking, right?
1: Really. No, not bad at all. It's a very casual conversation.
0: Thanks a lot. Okay. So I want to thank Kat from Narbox for spending some time with me. I know she was really busy, and uh, it was really a pleasure just talking to her about her device and seeing the enthusiasm that that, uh, she had and the rest of the group there had about this uh, new product they're coming out with. And so I really wish them well. I think the product looked good. I held it in my hand. It felt like a nice little thing to throw in a bag. And, again, you know, this idea of just going on a mobile workflow. In fact, uh, I'm recording this on Tuesday, and I just watched the new Apple uh, keynote where they introduced a new MacBook Air, a uh, new Mac mini, but also new Mac, uh, sorry, iPad Pros. And, you know, they also demoed Photoshop on the iPad Pro. And I'm thinking, wow, you know, this narbox box uh, attached to, uh, you know, uh, wirelessly to an iPad Pro with a pencil and you're using Photoshop on on, you know, on the go, or maybe not even on the go, but just like in a more comfortable place than sitting at a desk with a computer staring at you. I don't know. It's like that's the way things seem to be moving. So anyway, uh, uh, thank you, Kat, so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Uh, I hope you guys got something out of this uh, interview with uh, the one person I talked to at the show. (laughs) It was, you know, I... uh Again, it was you know, for a whole set of circumstances I wanted to walk around and, and talk less. You know, I go there with all the intentions. I got my microphone and everything like that. And I'm like, ah. but thank you for Brian to introducing me to Narbox. I actually missed them the first time I walked around the floor. I don't know how, but, you know, sometimes you got blinders on. But anyway, as a, uh, a final summary for the show, I will just say, I mean, and you'll excuse me if I'm repeating stuff that I just said before, but I'm going to sort of give the sum of the show. So. I was talking to uh, my friend Gene about the show and asking him how he felt about it like the overall and, and uh he had a uh he said which was an interesting interpretation but a sense of desperation by the uh by the vendors there as an overall and I thought that's really interesting I didn't see that but it was an interesting thing to think about if I go back and look look and say like what what would cause uh you know a, a sort of desperation in in the um uh, vendors there, you know, to show things off. So I'm not entirely sure what he was seeing. and maybe when I get him on the show, uh, probably in the next couple of episodes, we want we we have a, a brain check for a, to do a show together. I'll find out a little bit more about that. You know, we'll, we'll dive into it just a picture because I think it has something to do with the photo community and entirely and, you know, and trade shows as well. I mean, this was a trade show. People go there to show stuff off and, and everybody goes there to look at new new equipment and, and see what, uh, what the new inventions are like. And I think this year there was a larger amount of people coming Uh, Maybe it's because it's like every other year people show up, like they don't want to come every year. But this year is right on the tails of the big show in in, uh, Europe, in Germany, I believe it is, in uh, Photokina, where uh, Nikon and, and Canon introduced some new mirrorless cameras. And there's a whole bunch of other uh, uh, hardware releases. And so this is now the United States version of showing that stuff off. And so I think a lot of people wanted to go see that. I certainly wanted to see that kind of stuff. I'm not in the market for a new camera, but I really wanted to see, like, what was available and, like, what, you know, and start to sort of dream about, like, you know, if I had this kind of camera, what could I do with it? What would be the, where would my new, um, you know, pushing the envelope be with the, you know, say like a new Fuji medium format camera. Now there's no way I could afford that. And there's no way I could justify that. Cause I'm really, I'm not in that place where I could say, yes, I could spend $5,000 on a new camera, but like, you know, even just fantasizing about stuff like thinking, okay, what could I do with things like this? And maybe thinking about like how to push what I have already to some further limit, you know? And so, that's kind of the nice thing about seeing uh, hardware there, and and even some of the software there. You know, there's you get some ideas about how to process your pictures. It's always great to, you know, to get uh, some tips and and tricks from people who are demoing the newest uh, applications. And it's also nice to see that there's a lot of, um, you know, variation, uh, you know, um, alternate uh, processing uh, software uh, than Adobe. So if you don't want to stick with the Adobe system, you've got alternate. Uh, uh, paths that you can go on with with programs, and so that's nice to see that. Uh, I know, Adobe wasn't there, so they weren't showing off uh, things. They might have been in, you know, a couple of booths um, on a small scale, um, but not really. They're not. They w- They wouldn't. Ha- they didn't have a presence there. So um, you know, you get to you get to walk around and you start to uh, ponder as you look at all the gear and equipment and stuff like that. Like, what can what can you do with it? What would where would it take you? And so, like you know, I, I was looking at the medium format from the Fuji camera, and I was thinking, wow, you know, like how would that push my street photography? I mean, it's a it's still the newest one, uh, and I'm forgetting what the designation is, but the newest camera kind of looks like a rangefinder camera, and it's a slightly big camera, but it's still really understated. And, t- and you know, if you looked at it, you wouldn't really think that it's any kind of camera at all and any kind it of anything special but it's got a very large sensor in it and I think it could make really really beautiful shots and you know what would I do with those you know would I would I be able to print very large you know do I want to print and then you know I was looking at the prints that that were at the show and the printers that were there and like how to how to put those two things together and so that's the great thing about going to a show like this, uh, um, is that could really just sparks some ideas about your own photography, you know, and trying to think like, well, what do I want to do to sort of um, break out? Of, I don't say I'm in a, in a in a rut right now, but to sort of break out and move further and, and push the envelope and, and, and maybe go in a slightly different direction. I don't know. But, you know, I think that, that we have a symbiotic relationship with our equipment, you know, and uh, we need to sort of uh, embrace that. And the equipment should not drive what you are going to do. I mean, you shouldn't pick up, a, you know, a $7,000, you know, like a camera because you're suddenly going to shoot street photography. No, you you, you ought to be driven it'd Be the other way around. Like, you know, f- for me, if I'm going to buy a medium format camera, I need to have a reason for that. You know, and if I can justify it, I am to say, yes, it's going to. You know, it's going to do um, I'm going to be able to do something with this, you know, that I can't do with the, the equipment that I have now. And that's the kind of way you want to look at it. I mean, if people have money that they can drop on, on, on cameras and fun, you know, that's that's great. That's fine. And um, I, I don't have a um, I don't have a problem. I'm not judgmental about, about any of that. But uh, I do, you know, like to uh, look at the stuff and sort of dream, you know, and, and I'm, I bet a lot of you are, are the same way. You know, you like to look at the stuff and, and dream. And we can always have, you know, goals and dreams. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. But anyway, the desperation, I, I could see it in a few, you know, I can understand it. I can see it in a, a few of the smaller vendors, you know. Um, and, the, you know, in the sense that there's a desperation when there's like nobody there. There's like, there used to be a, a giant booth that had a, a equipment and grip gear and whatnot from directly from China. It was like a little pavilion. And that didn't exist this time. And so. Uh, you know, and uh, there seemed to be uh, Gina pointing out. They said there seemed to be less young people there. And you know, as as I go back and think about it, I'm like, you know, I'm looking around. I'm like, yeah, I see a lot of people who are not my age, but like, you know, in you know, rather than students, young students. Uh, coming to the show where they can actually get their hands on stuff and and also start to think about things. There was a lot less of that. So I don't know if that's a marketing thing or it was just like, you know, kids don't do this anymore. And it's a trade show, so it's a a tough sell. Hey, spend a day looking, you know, walking around with a bunch of photo geeks, you know. (laughs) I don't know if that's actually the thing you want to do. I did when I was in college. I love going to the you know, but picking up tons of brochures and reading about all the gear and stuff like that, because I mean, you know, you know, we're some of us are gear geeks and, and can't get away with that. But uh, yeah, I didn't notice I didn't notice the the, the younger crowd as much, you know, uh, there. And I did notice that um, you know I, I did spend a little bit more time with the Nikon cameras. I think I said that in my in my uh, sh- uh, floor um, uh summary. Uh, fun cameras to play with, not not something I need. Uh, in fact, a lot of the stuff I looked at is probably nothing I need. I'm pretty set with stuff when I mean, other than like having to upgrade my computer and, and, and whatnot. I'm, I'm pretty set with what I'm going to do, uh, with my things, but it was so much fun to like look at stuff and, and dream a little bit. So, uh, and I think, you know, I didn't go to any of the seminars. Uh, like I said, they're too expensive. Uh, seminars are a great thing to do at a photo show like this. Great way to get some education, but there was a lot of stuff on the show floor. Let's let's see. Last thing about the show is I think it needs to evolve in some way because trade shows are a tough sell for anybody, you know, especially in New York. It's very expensive to come here. And I'm not sure what you're gaining. And and, uh, oh, sorry. Stop for a second. (laughs) The last thing I wanted to say, and I'm putting this out there for you guys. I'd love to engage in some discussion about this. But you know, like I said, I've been going to the show for a very long time, and I've seen things you know evolve from film to digital and blah blah blah. And the equipment is always getting better, or you know, quote unquote better. I would say more complex. But one of the things I'm noticing is that um, so equipment is getting more expensive now. Everything is getting more expensive, right? I mean, you look around; prices are getting more expensive on anything. Although you know, I was watching the uh, the keynote on the uh, Apple. Uh, uh, the equipment announcements today. And you know, they are able to keep their their I mean their prices are high cuz Apple's premium, but they were able to keep the prices and a lot of their gear that they're coming out with, you know, kind of the same as the old stuff, right? So like an iPad Pros they in they didn't increase that much price. And they take the old stuff like the old uh old, you know, the, the current uh, generation of iPad pros are going to stay around at least a certain size and, and they drop the price on it and then the new ones are coming out at this at the current prices so it's funny because in those cases Apple is being able to drop some of their prices on on slightly older things what I'm noticing is uh, with cameras and stuff like that, so f- first of all, they don't tend to keep the older stuff around so much. So, you know, Fuji comes out with an X-T3 and they stop making the X-T2 at some point and the price doesn't change. I was going on Amazon and the prices are actually kind of similar to, you know, both cameras. But one of the things I'm noticing is that everything's getting more expensive. And by that, I mean, like, you know, you know prime uh, professional cameras, so let's say DSLRs or, or DSLR style mirrorless cameras, Price is going up, uh, and and you know you go how much is this camera? You know it's like I'm looking at whatever it is. Like, oh, it's twenty five hundred dollars, and then you hear someone say, yeah, that's a great price. And I'm thinking twenty five hundred dollars. I mean, I can I I could I would say buy a good used car for that, but I mean like I'm starting to think about like I could that's a lot of that's a lot of coin, you know. And the prices go up from there. I mean, the the Nikon mirrorless cameras were twenty five hundred and up uh, without lenses, right? And so, you know, some of these higher end—I do not even call them higher end cameras. I mean, yeah, I might get into a little bit of a quagmire here, but um, they are higher end cameras. But I mean, I remember the, the, you know, when it was film days, and you would have a say a prosumer camera or a a, a lower end pro camera compared to the to the pro cameras the price discrepancy between those wasn't as great you know and and today the price the the um the bar for getting into a pro camera system is really really high so i'm just wondering if anybody else is noticing that and you know i you know someone can just say it's inflation and that's the new thing but usually i'm like thinking cameras are technology as technology improves i would think you know things would start to get less expensive. Now, of course, there, it's photography, and they're gearing towards people who are making money, but not everybody's making money in photography. There's a lot of amateurs who, by, by the definition, aren't making money. They're just taking pictures. And to invest $2,000, $3,000, $4,000, $5,000 in, in camera gear that in three or four years is probably going to be obsolete by the standards that the camera manufacturers are setting— and 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 of course the marketing is going to draw you into buying that. Like you're essentially paying like one, let's say four thousand dollar camera, and and you're going to upgrade in three years. You're paying over a thousand dollars a year for that camera. That's a lot of money, and and that bar is really high. And so, like we're all being, we're all sort of I want to say drinking the Kool Aid, but we're like okay, we're buying you know those gears. More expensive. Now on the other end, like you know, you've got Fuji camera coming out with Fujifilm coming out with medium format cameras and their prices, like medium format camera was twenty thousand dollars and ten thousand dollars. And this new one that's coming out is five thousand dollars, you know, with a lens. And so yes, that came down in price. Still, you know, still a bit of coin to put down on a camera, right? But it, it has certain, you know, if you were a professional shooting catalogs or fashion or whatever, you know, five years ago you had to spend a huge amount of money to get a medium format camera. Now You spend a portion of that. So that's interesting. But I'm noticing a lot of the other cameras, like Canons and even the Nikons and the new uh, mirrorless, those prices have gone up. And so, I, you know, if you guys can reach out on Twitter or wherever you want to follow me and and talk about this, it would be appreciated to figure this out. Because I kind of want to know a little bit more about this. You know, computers go down. Televisions go down. The technology gets better. So, you you know, what an LCD screen now on a TV costs is, you know, you get one in a box of cereal almost, you know. <laughs> it's like you go to Costco, you could buy a huge, beautiful television set for very little money. Now, that's it's a consumer product, and maybe not a, probably not a fair comparison, I know that. But it it's funny that photography gear is is going up in price, and, and we're all sort of like, you know, kind of happily paying it, you know, walking around saying, oh, well, that's not a problem. i want to pay $4,000 now for a camera that I'm going to take pictures of, you know, Grand Canyon with. You know, what's that about? So anyway, hit me up in like, you know, someplace and let's let's talk about this some more. So anyway, uh, that's enough of me talking about the show. uh, And, uh, you know, you you, I hope you enjoyed it Uh, again. Sorry for the audio quality. Uh, Hopefully you'll understand it. And and next time I'll try to get better. It just really was loud this year. People talk very low, (laughs) even me. Uh, And so, uh, yeah, that's it. I think uh, I think we got a show here. So I spoke long enough. <laughs> and, uh, you know, my goal is, oh, and so final final thing is uh, last night I just recorded uh, on uh, Shutter Time with Sid and Mac, and it was Sid's last show. So I was on with Brian Minear, uh David Swiduck, um, uh, Dominic. Oh, boy, Dom, give me a kill. I haven't got your name in front of me, my last name. But <laughs> I'm sorry, because I'm doing this off the cuff. Uh, Sid and Mac. And so there was six of us talking, and it was our last show. And I've been I had filled in for like early in the summer uh, when she was taking a hiatus. And I actually told Mac that uh, while he's trying to figure out what to do with Shutter Time, that I would also fill in in the future. So it was I wanted to acknowledge that uh, Shutter Time was a great show Uh, with Sid and Mac. I tuned into them and I knew there was a magic going on between those two when I first heard them talk. Really great podcast. Uh, I love their chemistry. And I just wanted to uh, say that I'm going to miss Sid. Uh, It's it's. uh, it's a great show with her on it. I don't know what Mac's going to do, and I wish him all the luck. Um, but I want you guys to subscribe and support the Shutter Time show in whatever iteration it's going to be. I promised that uh, I did uh, tell Sid I've got to get her on this show so I can talk to her about her photography. She hasn't been shooting a lot late, but she's done wildlife photography, and I'm really curious about that and her experiences about that. And so uh, my goal is to get her on before uh, the end of the year. So i got a few people lined up for interviews uh, between now and the end of the year. And with, you know, it's possible with any luck, I might get more than two shows a month coming out. It's a lot of hard, it's very hard to do, you know, to, to produce this show because I'm on my own and I gotta do it between jobs. <laughs> But, you know, if, if I can get more people to interview, uh, that kind of just makes a show right there. So, uh, you know, on my list, my short list is uh, Gene to talk about um, a whole bunch of stuff that we're going to talk about. Probably have him a bunch of times. I want to get Reed on again, uh, talk about color because I want to continue that series. Uh, Brian Menear is going to be on the show at some point because I've got to have him on. The guy's a great guy. Sid. And uh, you know just a handful of other people I want to get Mark Ryerson to come on again and so I think I've got content you know to, to do and so you might start hearing more shows from me and I hope that uh, that's fine with you guys. So anyway that's it uh, until um, you know November uh, we'll have I'll have a, a new show coming up uh, not too far from now. So anyway you want to uh, find me you can find me on uh, my personal thing you can find me at AM Rosario any place on Twitter on Instagram and, uh, uh what's it? Flickr. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, my website is amresario.com, but you know, look for switch to manual.com uh, the website to come up, uh, you know, as a Phoenix, uh, running well, uh, in the near future when I have some time. And until then you can, uh, look for a switch to manual on Twitter, or switch the number two manual. So switch to manual also on Instagram as well. And, you know, on Facebook, look for a switch to manual photo workshops on, uh, facebook that's a great place to uh, begin discussions you know i'm a facebook guy so i like i like the uh, i like that the form and uh, yeah i guess that's it you know uh, no portfolio reviews for now but uh, you know i got a tip cup on the uh, on the podbean page so if you want to help out with some of the production costs uh, i wouldn't say no <laughs> you, know, but, you know help uh, help put the uh, show together you know do this all on my own so any kind of help you got it would be really appreciative so uh, yeah you'll be hearing me on the uh, uh, next show of uh, the, uh, Sid's last show on uh, Shutter Time so tune in for that put on your podcasters and, and get that it should be coming out this week uh, sometime if you're a Patreon person you probably get it uh, today maybe today's Tuesday uh, it might be available today uh, but uh, it should be out by the time this show comes out so <laughs> you'll tune in anyway uh, thanks for listening tell your friends about me And uh, I will uh, see you in November. So thanks for tuning in and uh, see you later and adios.